hopefully I'll be able to share with you a word that I'm finding encouragement in. I was looking down at my shoes. Not that they're anything special, but they're not tennis shoes. They're somewhat of a high-grade leather, but not Gucci. More like got them cheap. But what I noticed about these shoes, which are to kind of set the casual tone just up a notch, is that I stepped in something. And how I didn't see it, or how I may have simply forgot about it, I'm a marked man. And I chose not to do anything about it. There is good news. I didn't step in what you think that I stepped in. But it still spoiled the uniform. I'm just a little bit not on game. There are times when in our faith we're not on game. So it brought me to this chapter, which I thought was just really encouraging. Because there was a man who is honored in our faith, who actually is the father of faith. Because seemingly out of obscurity and very likely in a place full of obscenities and cultural violations and spiritual aberrations, he was called, moved obediently. Abraham, Genesis chapter 12. He was given specific promises. He just needed to let go and go forth with God. He had some challenges. They were family challenges. He couldn't leave dad for too long. His father eventually went the way of the earth. And then Abraham continued on with his wife. And the chapter is rather exhaustive in terms of what this man went through. His calling was at about 75 years of age. 74, 75, right in that area. And the place that I really felt impressed to share from is what happened after a particular error 13 years before. The error was this, is that as he was setting out, God had given him a promise. He had groaned for a child. He and Sarah were beyond the age of bearing. And she came up with a plan, and the plan was not a good plan. But he bought into it, and as a result, they had Ishmael. Ishmael was a donkey of a boy. And Ishmael actually is the progenitor of much of the trouble in the Middle East right now, a land full of princes that pretty much hate everybody, and in particular, Israel specifically. The consequence of sin, God lets these things play out, but God will never be played with regard to ultimately satisfying his will in all of it. So here's where I'm going with this. At the area that, you know, I feel just what is important to tag here is in chapter 18, where we've already been informed that Ishmael is about 13, and, and in Abraham's heart, he had already given up on believing that there was really something super special about what God had once promised him, 
which was that he and Sarah would have a child. You see, Sarah was only, in this case, an adoptive mom. And Hagar was actually not the one that God had ordained at all for Abraham. And so that particular plan to help God along and his promises didn't work out. I think that we can say that Abraham stepped in it. He took off with the footsteps of faith, but somewhere in the hardships of life and the coaxing of a, in this case, a wife that had been barren for so long, beautiful but barren, will just help God out. That's how we're going to do it. Didn't work. But the faithfulness of God, when you step in it, even though you've stepped out in faith, is important to see. This is where I'll take you. The Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre. This is chapter 18. I think I can do this quickly. As he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. I know what it's like to be in the desert in the heat of the day. And a tent isn't exactly, even if you're in front of it, super comforting. Maybe the flap of the sheet or the canvas or the skin brings a little bit of venting. I don't know. It's hot. The trees are there. And if there is a breeze, they certainly may be whispering. But probably very likely he has beads of sweat that he deals with. And sometimes this is a picture of what faith very often presents. At the time when we've stepped out in faith and then we stepped into something that we hadn't really planned, kind of violated the presentation of who we are and the way that we want to look and be remembered. And then God all of a sudden picks a time of all times in which it's the heat of the day. We can't even necessarily catch a breeze or a break. But his visitation comes as profoundly as the promise was tended by him to do in tenderness. God's tending his promises. He'll deliver them in tenderness. But he may catch you in the heat of the day to do it. That point in time in which all things have been exhausted. And here's your choice. Will you believe? This is where it leads he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. He looks up. He sees three men, and the next thing you know, boom, they're right next to him. The imagery is that seemingly afar off, he sees a stirring, and then in the instantaneous work of God in the Spirit, they're by him. It's a cue. It's a clue. How quickly the Lord can close the distance on what a promise was that you forgot and what he's still going to deliver to you that quick. However you may have stepped in it when you stepped out in faith, he is able to quickly bring remedy that still will require belief and still obligate you to patience, but it's a perk. It's like adding a little bit of high octane into your gas tank. He intends to get you there 
not on simply a wing and a prayer, but on the assurance of his word and as fast as these men came. These men are just not nomads, by the way. They're not princes of the land. They're actually princes of heaven. We don't know who two of them are, but the scriptures are very clear that he's having an interactive moment with the Lord, a Christophany. What's happening right now that we'll be briefed on in a little bit in the next chapter is a judgment is pending. But as a judgment is pending against those who ultimately, because of what they're doing and the place that Abraham had left, it's going to be consequential. But the judgment that God had rendered positively on behalf of Abraham and Sarah, you will have a child. There's an inheritance coming. There is going to be an heir, and it's not one of your house. It's going to be one coming from my house, my place in which as you've worshipped me, as you've traveled with me, it's going to come by me, not by your plans, not by your strategies. So important to pray. He said, verse 3, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. He acknowledges the visitation of God. Not just two guys, three. They're not just foreign legion operatives. They are divine visitors. Two will be dispatched by the Lord as the Lord has an interaction with him. But before that happens... The Lord has an interaction with Abraham. This is where we're coming to. We know that as he met them, he is encountering God, for it says he bowed himself to the ground. Not from the hips, he bows himself to the ground. He's on holy ground. It's an acknowledgement. When you come into a place that you know undeniably has the markings and the fragrance of the Lord, we prostrate ourselves. Now, that can be done in a very special way, and that's with your heart. We have opportunity to kneel. I took opportunity to kneel. thought maybe I could get my shoes polished in the meantime. You may say, how disrespectful. <laughs> I thought it was real respectful that I could polish my shoes in the meantime. It just didn't work. I had no condemnation on me. I was going to. My sincerity to kneel was taking communion. But I thought, Lord, in the process, maybe, maybe you could put a little shine on me. Where he put the shine, that's for him to determine. Maybe it's in what I'm sharing and not my shoes. So he brings out water, the ideas to refresh the feet of these divine visitors. He says, rest yourself under the tree. I'm going to bring you a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by. Inasmuch as you have come to your servant, they said, do as you have said. Do as you have said. This is what you've proposed. Reverence has been shown. Cordiality is appreciated. Go ahead, prepare us your best. 
The Lord still invites those whom he promises to satisfy with good things and an accomplished, purposeful blessing. Go ahead. Do what you said. Touch my heart. Bless me. I am a God that loves to be refreshed by my people. I am one that is enthroned upon the praises of my people. Go ahead. Do what's on your heart to do to honor me and what your heart says you want to do. And very often the Lord even says in that quiet way, and by the way, thanks for releasing me to do my God thing. Abraham's going, and after you've just allowed me to minister to you, do what you need to do. You can pass me by. Isn't that great to also be able to say with integrity, God, pass me by. I know there's much that you are about and you're doing, but thanks just for the visitation. Thanks for your favor. And so Abraham hurried in verse 6 and into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes. How often that is true. The men say, let me do this for you. And the wives get the command. Hey, bake something special. God's coming. Company's coming. It's teamwork. It's a beautiful thing, actually, when you both live it and when you see it. Thanks for doing that, by the way, as well. And so the cakes are being prepared. Abraham ran to the herd, took a heifer, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he's doing the barbecue. That's kind of what men get appointed to do. And so he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. And then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, Here, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you. So she's in the tent domestically, and he's outside ministerially. She's prepared what has been asked. He has continued to embellish it with a feast of calf. The question is provocative. Where is Sarah? Where is Sarah in serving right now, me with you? It's a great question. That's why the beauty of the church is the tenderness and sensitivity of a couple through marriage, through personalities that are uniquely both feminine and masculine. Society says, we're going to tear that down. We're going to reject that. But the church says, no, you're not. You're not touching that paradigm, that ideal. We may not seemingly show you what our footsteps of faith has meant to us because you see the stuff that we do step into and we try to take care of it as we can. We're always continually needing to be laundered and polished. Sometimes in our efforts, it doesn't work, but our desire to have it work God sees, we're forgiven. And so the question is, where is Sarah? And he said, 
I will certainly return to you, capital H, this is the Lord, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. And so what she hears is the dialogue. She wasn't a part of the dialogue. She hears the dialogue. And that's okay. Sometimes based on our inhibitions, our own insecurities, not wanting to be seen, tucked away somewhere else, we hear the conversation. Not a part of it, but we hear it. And God can honor that as much as he can in being a part of the conversation. You guys are part of the conversation. Some people will hear the conversation. Some of you will hear it because in certain areas of your heart, there's still a veil there. It's protective. You're not being indicted for it because the bottom line is there are things in our life that have caused us to be insecure. But notice what this says. Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, verse 12, take note of this. Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? Some of us older guys can probably make something of this humorously. That old geezer, he's done. He's played out. There was about a 12, 13-year difference between the two. Abraham being in his latter mid-70s when he heard the call to step out was followed by a younger woman. She retained all of her beauty, they said, even to the degree of causing factions and warrings over her, but she couldn't have what her heart desired, which was the fruit of the womb. One of the things that we see in here is that the satisfaction to have what it is you desire is found ultimately in listening to the Lord and not laughing at what only he can do, but taking joy in what he shall do. Sometimes we say that's ridiculous. There's no way that this can happen. My man's too old to set in his ways. He will never change for me and he can never change me within the context of bearing children. It's impossible. And that's where the Lord brings us to the point of impossibility in which the only probable outcome can be if God divinely sets his favor upon you, which he will do. Because what we know is it's not going to be by your power. They already erred in that. Her idea, which was her idea to have a son, but from another woman, was the wrong idea. The lineage was to be preserved. And Ishmael will fade into the pages of history as an obnoxious little boy and a very hard man who will be feared because of his personality. But what is on the way 
is the child that God will be permitting them to name Isaac, son of laughter. Notice here what happens. It's actually funny. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? She's laughing cynically, not laughing joyfully. The question comes to Abraham from the divine lips of the Lord who knows everything. And Sarah, it says, denied it, verse 15. We've heard of that denial before, haven't we? I think Eve had one of those problems and Adam had one of those problems. And you know what? We do too. We do too. Sarah denied it saying, I did not laugh for she was afraid. And that's usually what can be the provocateur of that. And he said, no, but you did laugh. And so I stopped the story there because actually the only thing that's needing to be done is what God said he would do that in the passage of time within a year of what it takes to both procreate and to mature in the womb a baby which will come from both of them contributing to the purpose of God to ratify the promise of God in a life that will be delivered through these two older people. Why, if God didn't disqualify two old people, would he disqualify any that inside all they really want is to make it on the course that they set out in origin to walk? And that something happened along the way in which one or the other or both stepped in it. And it became the disqualifier for what God says, I'm going to do. I'm going to finish it. I triumphantly work through everything that is a mark that others may scoff at. I don't because I am a triumphant God. And I clean you up. And I polish you off. So I wanted to share that with you. Very often these devotionals come impromptu to me. And what I always want to do is to obey in the moments that I have that. Isn't that exciting though? And so Isaac becomes a legacy moment. And he actually is a picture of the promised son that would be given to Israel ultimately in the Lord Jesus. The very visitation that he makes to Abraham and to Sarah, the correction that he gave to Sarah in the doubting of laughter is to be turned in the belief with joy that she's going to be a mommy. And so we are spiritual parents. God's not through Whomever within our tribe stepped in it, you get out the towel and you polish it. You get out the foot bath and you bathe it. 
you prepare in the kitchen that which is the sustenance of honor before the Lord. You let the fatted calf be offered to the Lord. And you wait expectantly and joyfully that what he said will come to pass.